Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Harvest had begun as it did every year in Minden, Pennsylvania. Macintosh and Liberty first, on through Cortland, Empire, Jonagold, and Gala, and now in November, Brayburn. Jack looked out over the forked trunks of the trees extending into branches bent with fruit. Fallen apples littered the frosty ground. Rubbing the back of his neck, he checked his watch, anxious, counting the hours until he'd be able to find some peace with his fists. He'd been at it since the first arc of light to the east shone through the early morning mist lying low in the hills. Before the mist gave way to blue sky, Morrigan Mountain stood steady to the north, accompanied by the constant flow of Silver Creek running beside the orchard. Yet Jack's home, the place of his grandfather and great-grandfather, where he'd lived all his life, felt unfamiliar This is G.P. Gottlieb, host of New Books and Literature for the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to geologist and environmental scientist Kate Brandis, author of The Promise of Pearson Orchard. Hi, Kate, and thank you for joining me on this New Books Network podcast. Hi, Galit, and thanks so much for having me. So let's start with you explaining how you came to write this book while working as a geologist and raising a family. Sure. Um, I am a a scientist by training, and um, I had no uh, inkling that I wanted to do anything creative until I was about 35 when I had my first son. And for reasons that I really can't explain, even to myself, um, that birth of my first child was somehow related to my desire to uh, write creatively. Um, I just remember thinking that I wanted to make something that would last. Um, I mean, that was a conscious thought I had. Um, I didn't know how to write creatively. I don't, I'd worked as a scientist for, you know, 15 years at that point um, in my, by my mid thirties. Uh, and I was, you know, had a young child. I had a, another baby two years later and um, I was working full time. Um, incredibly busy, as all parents of small kids know. Uh, but yet, it was so important to me that I write something <laughs> um, and share stories that I um, tr- I fit in somehow. You know, trying to learn and teach myself how to write creatively. So I I spent uh, the first. Uh, it took me two years to write my first short story. Um, at the end of those two years, I got it published um, in a tiny little uh, journal. But uh, that was kind of the start. And um, following that, I wrote a couple other short stories. And then it took me probably, well, it took me about seven years to uh, kind of learn how to write a novel and um, and complete it and get it published. Um, and I, it's now you know, many years later, I'm in my mid forties now. And, um, I've, it's a bug that has bitten me and I've never, uh, gone back. Like I, I love writing. It's definitely a part of my life. It's an important part of my life. I feel like if I wasn't doing it, I would, um, 
I would be sacrificing something kind of essential uh, to who I am. Um, but I, but the mystery remains as to exactly why I, uh, you know, began writing in my mid thirties. I can say that I uh, always have loved reading, and I've always uh, related to the world through books and through fiction primarily. Um, I've always loved stories. And um, in, in my whole life, I've whenever I've been talking with people about something or there's been a problem to solve, I'm almost always kind of drawing from some story that I've read. Um, so I guess in that regard, it's not entirely surprising that um, I kind of came to want to write my own stories. Mm. But how did you come to write this particular book? This particular book. Okay. Well, that's a good question. Um, well, I think, you know, my background is, is environmental science. And when I was beginning to write this story, I was, I had a job where my, uh, what I did was talk to people in my local community about, um, about environmental issues that they were concerned with. And when I started writing the book, it was like about 2006, 2007. And, um, I, the, the topic of conversation in in Pennsylvania, I'm, I'm located in Eastern Pennsylvania was fracking natural gas drilling. And so I was having a lot of conversations about, um, that with people and the kind of general tenor, um, where I am in Pennsylvania on the East side, where, there isn't natural gas underlying our area was that people were generally against it. Um, you know, they didn't have anything to gain and everything to lose. Meanwhile, I have, um, my family, uh, you know, my, my grandparents are all from sort of central Pennsylvania. Um, and they've lived there in a rural area for, you know, generations. And, um, they have leased their land for fracking and done so because, um, in part because they were really, uh, you know, needed the the money. Um, and also living in a rural area, they, it was a area, it's an area that's previously been mined for coal and they, you know, I have grandparents who, um, leased their land for coal mining. So, you know, the culture of mining in that part of Pennsylvania is deep and, um, so I understood uh, natural gas drilling and kind of how maybe a rural population in Pennsylvania might think about that a little bit differently than where I was living at the time when I started the book, which is more of an urban area. Um, and so I was really fascinated with the different um, takes on that topic. And particularly, I was interested in it um, from kind of this rural view versus a kind of a more urban view. Um, cause I was seeing both of those. And I was also at the time it was a lot in the papers in the New York times. And that kind of gives a more urban viewpoint and a more, uh, you know, a more urban viewpoint, I guess. And, um, and so I really didn't feel like the rural voice of Pennsylvania was being shared much or heard, or I couldn't really read about it much. And I certainly wasn't talking to anybody about it much except for my own family. So, um, so I, I thought this was interesting. I thought, you know, if I was going to write a book, um, these are things that I could really explore and um, in, a, in a fictional way and kind of play things out. And I really wanted to, you know, what I found uh, as I was writing the book is that, um, you know, I writ- wrote the book from four different points of view. Um, and so there is kind of this urban perspective and certainly several of the characters have a more rural perspective 
and, and, and other things, um, that's going, that are going, it's going on with them. But, um, I really had to put myself into each of those character shoes and I really wanted to do that. I kind of really wanted to explore, um, the idea of fracking from all of these different viewpoints. Um, it's certainly, the book is not about, it's about fracking, but it's not, um, I'm a scientist, but I wrote a story. It's a family drama. So it's primarily a family drama and the fracking kind of serves as a metaphor for what's happening with the family. But it did allow me to kind of go into these um, different perspectives on that issue and, and, and sort of explore them from a very human um, standpoint. We're going to get back to the to questions about fracking, but let's dive into the characters. Sure. Can you address the opening passage that I quoted about how Jack is counting the hours until he can find peace with his fists? Yeah. Um, so Jack was the easiest character for me to write and probably the one I identify most with in the novel. Um, and he has this, um, you know, issue, I guess he deals with things by, by fighting, um, uh, in barns, you know, without mitts, it's just a bare fist kind of fighting that he does. And, um, he's really, really angry. Um, and I, I wanted, you know, I, I, I guess that just came to me. I don't know. It came up very naturally. Um, this is kind of a weird thing, but <laughs> I'll share it with you anyway. Um, when I was writing the, the, his character, I was listening, I started listening to the rapper Eminem and, um, you know, he really had his heyday like quite a long time ago. And I, I've never listened to him I've, uh, um, at all. Um, but I heard, um, a, you know, a song by him. And then suddenly I was downloading like all of the songs and, um, I, I was listening to them when I was by myself in my car. Um, but I was listening to them all the time. And it was because, um, I thought that, um, his voice and a lot of the music were really embodied, um, at least, you know, not necessarily the way Jack was, but, um, that energy, um, in the music, I thought embodied who Jack was. So, um, that really helped me write that character. Um, and you know, he's, he's very angry. He doesn't know what to do with his anger. And so this is, this is kind of how it's manifested in his life. Um, you know, he turns to fighting because he doesn't know how to handle his, his problems. Um, and so that's what he does. It's kind of an outlet or release. You also write on that first page that Jack's home, where his grandfather lived and his father, where he'd lived all his life, felt unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, at the beginning of the book, Jack's kind of in this, like, crisis um, situation. And in that, he um, he's, he loves his, his wife, Leanne, who's also one of the characters in the book. Uh, but she's left him and it's kind of the lowest of the low point for him uh, because he, all he's ever really wanted is to be with her on, on this orchard where they live. And, um, but he's kind of sabotaged the relationship in some ways um, because he just can't handle himself. Um, and, you know, Leanne kind of leaves him in part because of this fighting situation that he can't, he's sort of addicted to. Um, so, he's, he doesn't recognize the place he is because it's not what his dream of it was ever. You know, his, his wife's now left him. Here he is on this orchard, but without her. And so it seems totally foreign. 
And then can you talk about the connection between their, their estrangement and the apple orchard business? Sure. Yeah. So, um, so the orchard in the story is, is Jack's family's orchard and, um, his father dies tragically, um, when, when Jack is young. Um, and so he gets the orchard when he's, you know, like 17 years old and has to kind of figure out the business for himself and make his way. And along the way, um, he marries Leanne and together they're, they work on the orchard. Um, and she really takes a liking. She really becomes very involved with, um, growing apples and she loves the business of it, of growing them and kind of understanding them. And she, um, starts to get very interested in trying to grow apples in this like more organic way. Um, he's, you know, more of a traditional orchardist in that he applies, you know, the usual round of, of pesticides and things like that. And she, she's trying to kind of get away from that and kind of make this sort of niche business where she can grow these more organic apples. And so when she ends up, you know, leaves him, which is the story opens and she's, she's moved out. Um, she still has stake in the orchard and still very much wants to be there and be working on her piece of it, you know, this organic piece. So he must, um, kind of work with her side by side, even though they aren't living in the same house together anymore. And why is she so confused? Well, I'm, I think, you know, she, she married Jack and things seemed good. Um, in the story, they are having, uh, fertility issues. And so she's not able to conceive and, um, it's kind of what drives a wedge between them. They try for a lot of years, Jack, um, thinks it's his fault. He kind of gives up. Um, this is in some ways what drives him to uh, the fighting because he's kind of beating himself up in some ways. Um, he holds himself responsible and um, he kind of gives up on her uh, just mostly because he's so overwhelmed with feeling like he's failed her um, and not being, being able to, you know, they can't have a family. He feels like it's his fault. So he kind of gives up and then she realizes that he's given up and that she doesn't really have another choice, but to leave him if she wants to, she feels like that's the only road to her, for, to happiness for her. If she kind of parts ways with him and they go their separate, separate roads. Mm-hmm. And then the third voice in the book is Wade, Jack's estranged brother who shows up in the first few pages. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about him. Yeah, sure. Um, so Wade works for a company called green energy and, in the story, um, we find out that Wade has been gone from the town of Minden, rural Pennsylvania. Minden uh, is where the story takes place. He's been gone for, for many, many years. Um, he, he left, um, you know, after an accident when he was very young, um, the same timing when uh, Jack had to take over the farm, the orchard. Um, and so he's been living away. He hasn't been in contact. He's very estranged from, from Jack and from Leanne. Um, and then he shows up with this new job and he's working for green energy and, um, he shows up at the orchard and tells Jack and Leanne is also there working that he wants to buy the, the gas rights for the orchard. Um, and so that's kind of how the story begins. And Wade is 
you know, uh, like Jack, he's a, he's a damaged soul and he's trying to kind of come back to Minden where he, he left, um, feeling ashamed of something that he did. He's trying to come back and kind of start over. And he feels like by offering gas leases, he can help people there. He can, you know, the, the town is poor, um, they're struggling and he feels like he has something to offer them. Uh, so that's, that's his character in the beginning. You, you talked about your grandparents having uh, these issues, but were, did, have you witnessed instances of companies using town insiders like Wade to sell their land rights and also promising that the town folks will be able to go back to regular life after the company is finished? Have, have you seen that happening in real life? I have not seen um, I have not seen that personally in real life. No, and I think generally, um, it, uh, the you know people who buy gas rights in at least in Pennsylvania are you know working for companies that come in. They're, they're not working with local people, as far as I know. I really like that this isn't a one sided story that vilifies the industry, the gas industry. You made it clear that it's it's really complicated. But now, just between us, can you talk about landowners who sell their mineral rights, talk about the fracking industry and the balance that rural land, landowners, are, landowners are trying to achieve between saving the land and surviving? Well, I think, you know, I think it's so complicated. And um, I was, I mean, I'm glad you thought that the story is, um, you know, is, is, shares a lot, you know, different sides. Well, um, that was my intent. It is complicated. And I think it depends on who you are and where you live. Um, certainly it's a fact that, um, you know, fracking in some parts of Pennsylvania, especially early on when fracking first began, there was associated water contamination. Um, there's been a lot of fracking where that hasn't gone on. Um, but it has changed the landscape in, the areas where it's really intensive, um, you know, there are a lot more roads, there are um, more wells, that sort of thing. Um, there's also more money in those areas. So um, it's, it's complicated. Um, there are pluses and minuses on both sides. And um, I, I, I'm interested in the, the gray areas of everything. <laughs> so I'm interested. So, you know, this is what brought me to the story in large part is there are so many gray areas, um, here, and I'm always wanting to explore those. Uh, I don't, you know, as an environmental scientist, somebody who's been working in the field for now 25 years, um, I don't think there's anything black and white. Um, uh, it is all complicated and all has, you know, nuances that I think, we're all better off if we kind of explore and really understand um, rather than just, you know, talking on one side or the other. Mm -hmm. So Leanne's parents are among the earliest to sign up with green energy. Well, with Wade yeah. for green energy. So let's discuss how that turns out. Sure. Um, so Leanne's parents have the a dairy farm that's adjacent to uh, the orchard, and um, they kind of um, Wade and Jack and Leanne all grew up together because they were right across from each other. Uh, and in the story, when Wade comes back uh, to sell the gas leases or to buy the gas leases, I'm sorry, uh, he 
he goes to them and, and asks, and it turns out that Leanne's mom uh, is, is very ill and they're very behind on a lot of bills. So they're particularly in a desperate situation. And um, so they agree to this deal and um, it turns out their property is one of the first to be fracked. So there's, um, you know, there are, there's a scene where there are bulldozers, you know, in very close to their front yard and um, there's a lot of dust and it's, it's, it's much, you know, uh, I think the scene is told from Wade's perspective. So he's standing there looking at, you know, this farm that he, you know, new as a child and it's being transformed in a way that he was really not expecting. He does want to help Leanne's parents, but it's also a little bit unnerving what's happening. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and it turns out that Leanne's dad is kind of, you know, by the time everything's said and done, he's not happy with the way things go. And it's sort of a turning point for Wade. He came in sort of wanting to help this particular um, fracking job did not go well, and he it kind of starts to turn him um, from feeling like he's helping to feeling like he's not helping. Yeah, and now this is where um, where Jack decides to go to Stella, who's the fourth character, the fourth voice in the book. That's right, yeah. and she's an interesting character along with her long suffering husband. So, is she based yeah. on somebody in particular? How, uh, tell us about her. Um, so she's, uh, she's not necessarily based on anyone, uh, but she's unusual in that she, uh, is the mother of Jack and Wade and she had them in Minden. Um, they were born on the orchard at the orchard and, um, but she was very unhappy living there, um, and knew she was in the wrong marriage, um, also knew that particularly Jack loved living at the orchard, even from a, you know, from a young age, she could tell that taking him away would be hard for him. And so she just feels like she's in the wrong life. And so she ends up leaving her two little boys at the time, you know, they're four and five and she, she leaves them and she goes and starts a new life and she doesn't look back. And so in that way, um, you know, she's an unusual character because there aren't, I think a whole lot of moms out there that would feel like they could do that, but she, that's the choice that she makes. And so, um, but, uh, you know, there, Jack does know that she's become an environmental lawyer and he doesn't, he's, you know, unsure of what Wade's intentions are, his brother's intentions exactly. And so he reaches out to Stella um, who he has not been in contact with all of these years, but he reaches out to her kind of because she's at least another voice uh, besides green energy that, that he's inviting to Minden to just try to open up the conversation. Um, but it's um, that dynamic is quite, uh, you know, difficult for everybody. Um, you know, here she is the mother who left coming back. Of course, Wade's got all kinds of issues with this. Jack's got his own problems. Um, and so, yeah, it's an interesting piece. I, I just as an aside, when I was writing the book early on, you know, it took me, as I said, mentioned, I think seven years. Um, you know, maybe in year two, I went to a writing workshop once, and uh, the instructor said, "Okay, there's two things that you should never do when you're writing a book, and one is to make a character who 
a mother character who leaves her children <laughs> and the and the other is never right about a farm. And I, <laughs> and I was writing, you know, both of those things were true. And somehow I just felt that I was on the right track. I mean, it was still so early in the process, but I felt strongly about those two parts that I did really want them in the story. Um, you know, again, it's those, um, particularly with the mother, you know, with Stella's character, the gray areas and, um, you know, the complications of being a mother and those sorts of things. She was not all that sympathetic in the beginning. No, she grew on me. Yeah. So let's talk about the importance of boundaries in this book, referring both to the land and to relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a theme in the book. Uh, there are all of the characters I say, I'd say all of the, the four that we've uh, talked about um, have issues with boundaries and where to draw a line. And, um, and there, you know, there are, you know, I guess inherently because the book is so much about the land um, and how each of these characters sees the land and what land they have. And, um, you know, boundaries are inherent in, in the storyline of, of the land itself, which I, I kind of see the land as its own character in this book because it's so fundamental to kind of defining how each of the characters really, each of the characters is so different in how they react to um, the orchard itself. Wow. So you were thinking the land was a character. I was going to ask you about the idea that the town feels like a character. Minden, one that's viewed, and it's a a character that's viewed differently by each of the other characters. But I think you can interchange the word Minden for land. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's right. And that's totally true. Uh, They, you know, the way they see the land is definitely, um, you know, Minden is part of that as well, for sure. So then you have a lawyer, the town lawyer. Why can't he do what Stella is doing to fight green energy when it becomes clear that they're not doing what they promised? Sure. So there is, um, well, part of it is that he's really the whole thing is that he's the mayor of the town. So he has to be kind of objective. Um, And he also does not have her expertise, Stella um, has specialized in environmental law. So she's very well versed in the rights of, you know, the, the water rights and all of these things. Um, but, um, Elzer, the mayor in the, in the book, he is, um, trying to do what's best for Minden and all of the town people there. And of course that's quite complicated because everybody, you know, what's best for the town, what's best for the people. It's just hard. It's our decision. And he has to sort of remain objective So I could keep talking about this book. It is so rich and there's so much to discuss, but I think we should just let people read it on their own. And I've already taken enough of your time. So could you please answer the traditional new books question? What's next for you? Oh, sure. Thanks for asking. Um, Well, I am writing another book um, that is another family drama. It does have another environmental theme to it. Um, I, I guess I'm going to do that because that's kind of my background and I'm so interested in, in that. Um, but it's a completely different book, different characters. It is again, set in rural Pennsylvania. However, um, I, I really love, um, the rural character of, um, towns and, um, you know, that I love nature. And so that comes through, um, it is right now, 
um, untitled, but I'm getting hopefully close in the next six months to finishing it. Um, but it has to do with complicated family and dams in this case, um, rather than fracking. Mm. So that's what I'm working on. Sounds interesting. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me interview interview you today, Kate, and uh, happy writing. Thank you. And thank you so much for having me. It was really wonderful to talk to you. Bye. Bye-bye. And thank you for listening to this podcast from the New Books Network. Once again, I'm G.P. Gottlieb, host of New Books and Literature. And today I've been talking with Kate Brandis about her novel, The Promise of Pearson Orchard. Join the New Books Network and learn both about my upcoming podcasts and those of other hosts in a variety of categories. Goodbye until my next conversation for the New Books Network.